Welcome back to Save Talk with Save Start. I'm your host today, Tim Page Bodorf, and I thought it would be fun today to bring in and discuss best practices that we picked up during teaching uh, with Save Start all these years. And with that in mind, I recruited a little help. He's a certified safety professional, and he's got an MBA from the University of Iowa. He worked for over 32 years with John Deere. And, of course, he held some assignments in safety and environmental and production and engineering. He's our most experienced and recognized consultant within the safety industry. He's earned numerous awards, like the 2010 Distinguished Service to Safety Award by the National Safety Council. So, Gary, can I tell them how long you've been at this? Uh, yeah, I think you can. Uh but I'm a little hesitant to uh, give you that exact number of years. So uh, my career started in 1965, if that helps you. And the uh, next thing you're going to say is I have over 44, 45 years of experience. And that's because I quit counting. <laughs> I, I'm like, you know, Jack Benny stopped at 39. I stopped at 45. But it, yeah, yeah, it's been a while. It's been an interesting career. Uh, but uh, safety full-time since 1985 that it became my love at that time my gosh uh so gary there's a there's a great wealth of experience there and just for our listeners gary's become internationally recognized as a speaker on many different issues mainly safety health environmental and even on the business side so in addition to being an author of a lot of published articles through the safety journals, um, you'll find that Gary is also the co-author of a book called Inside Out, Rethinking Traditional Safety Management Paradigms. Mr. Gary Higby, we welcome you back to the podcast. You know, it's great to be back. It's been a while since we talked, and this COVID thing's made it really tough on all of us, but it's a, I actually get to see your face now. I know they're only hearing my words, but I actually get to see your face, and it's a it's fun, and hopefully we get a little closer to normal here in the next next uh, few months. I'm hoping so. I know conference season's starting to happen, and I'm really I'm really excited to get back into the groove. Um, I don't always say getting back to normal though, because a lot of people maybe their normal was not normal for a lot of people. So I'm actually saying let's get back to being human. That sounds good. I'll I'll drink to that. That's so. So Gary, the idea of this uh, podcast was basically to bring some ideas and tips to the table and one or both of us can actually comment on it. Um, so this time I'm going to go first and this probably won't be a big help to a lot of our listeners today, but some of our listeners may find that our first tip would be extremely valuable. So my recommendation is for the first tip is to tap into those influencers or those folks that don't have a title, but they are informal leaders as a great first step to your safe start journey. What say you, sir? Well, I, I agree. Uh, you know, Tim, we often start from scratch when we do an implementation. Seems like only the safety team and maybe the plant manager uh, are the only ones that know anything about safe start when we arrive. And the employees and the supervisors just know they're going to have a safety meeting that day. And they may not be too excited about the new safety training. So I like to pull together a, a quick little training session for the supervisors and some of the other uh, leaders of the group uh, that, that the safety department can deliver before I ever arrive on site. No more than about 30 minutes, that allows for question and answers, 
and, and a little bit of that. And I'm trying to answer what's in it for them. And that's a big deal. Uh, it's a big question. Frankly, Safe Start will cut down on all kinds of mistakes. So they should see a bump in productivity, certainly should see some improvement in quality and obviously improvements in safety performance. Um, I've never seen a supervisor not interested in all those numbers. In fact, I spent a number of years as a first line supervisor and all of this, if I had safety back then, safe start back then, I think it would have uh, helped me be a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. And that's a great tip. Um, we'll suggest this. I use an acronym called with me, W I I F M E. And I've used it throughout ASSP and I use it through safe start. And when I get on site, just like you, I, I always try to ask that, that question of what's in it for me with me. Are you with me? And I know it sounds kind of funny, but just to bring them along with that kind of a tip is a, is a great way to going. And if you want to actually spell out that acronym you can actually take the two letters me what's in it for me as a membership experience so i know kind of as a play on word for assp but we could use that in the in the granular way at the workplaces just like you suggested and say what's going in what's this going to do for our supervisors what's this going to do for our employees what's it going to do for the person that's a member of this organization and that's a great tip so letting them know beforehand what's in it for them and basically asking them for their support or their leadership. That's a great tip. All right. So, you know, what I find interesting is when it comes to influencers, supervisors and union leadership, they readily come to everyone's mind. And of course, when they're talking about influencers, those two groups, they're, they're extremely important to me. But when I ask the client to drill down a bit more down to the employee level, that granular level, they have no trouble rattling uh, off a couple of hand or basically a handful of names. So it's just uh, it's just never occurred to them to look there. And we've all been there at some point. So we've got to represent or be presented with something new. And we wait on the influencer to chime in first. And it may well be the second shift maintenance guy or girl. And my point is they don't need a title to be an influencer. So let me throw out the next tip. Okay. So remember always, they know nothing in the beginning. And Safe Start for most companies is the first look through a human factors lens and a substantial shift in paradigm. Wow. Um, you know, Safe Start is so foreign even now in the marketplace because people really don't understand human factors at all. So you can't assume anything when you're going down the Safe Start journey. Uh, we can speak safety and safe start so fluently we sometimes forget to slow it down and cross all of our T's and dot all of our I's. I recall one class where I said PPE. Well, it's common in safety, personal protective equipment. Everybody knows that, right? Well, no. An office lady spoke up and she had no idea what I was saying. So when it comes to speaking safe start, we all speak it so well we sometimes overlook it's new to the audience, really new to the audience that we're trying to reach. Yeah, I'd have to agree as a paradigm shift and using a human factors lens is not something that, uh, something everybody's come prepared to do. And when you introduce those states and those errors, and of course that pattern, they actually start to see through a lens, those activities, especially that first critical error reduction technique, looking at other people. All right. So Gary, thanks for that. And here's another one. Be authentic. 
I think that BS meters are set to parts <laughs> per billion these days. I mean, if you want to blow all of your credit in a moment, just utter one disingenuous thing. What do you think, Gary? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've said those types of things before. Uh, as soon as you start BSing or they think it's BS, you're going to lose them right away. And uh, I don't know everything, but I know where to get the answer. And so instead of BSing, we need to talk to like our consulting team, which is a collection of really diverse backgrounds and expertise. And uh, we'll get you the answer for sure. Yeah, I, I I agree. And our consultants and our account executives, I, I'm going to tell you that is a that is a great wealth of knowledge. And I don't ever remember talking to an account executive back at the corporate office and having them give me a line of BS. It's just that they're looking out for everybody and they've got great resources. All right. I actually recall sitting in on a fellow consultants meeting at a workshop and he would say to his class, who's the safe start authority in this room? Quote, of course he was. And then that person would follow up with, and who is the safe start authority when you get back to your facility? He would then demand that they assume that authority. And it, no one follows an unsure leader. But even though you may just have begun your journey as a Safe Start trainer at your facility. So, again, no one's going to know more about Safe Start at that point than you are. And so, to your point, Gary, our listeners, we have an entire team behind us with literally hundreds of years of experience, which could be just an email or a phone call away. So, we're always here if you need it. And it's safe to assume that that authority that you take, as important as it is, well, you'll always have a support system. I'm just asking, just be transparent about what you do and what you don't do. Good, good. Next, the employees really need to realize the value of Safe Start. And that may take a while. Some may realize it right during the core units. I've had people come up the first day and say, wow, this really means a lot to me. And I've had people, it takes a little bit longer, might be after the core, might be after the critical decision units. Sometimes it takes a while to sink in. Often there's an activity that's happened to them off the job that really brings it home and they go, oh, now I get it. Now I understand. So the point is uh, we all arrive at the same destination, but unfortunately we're there at different times. Mm -hmm. So identifying those who may need a little extra coaching, that's really important. Yeah, I agree. For those of you that are going through Safe Start now, you might hear the term flex units as we progress through the the transition and the change of our of our units. And you might not hear the first four units called the core units. You might just hear them referred to as Safe Start now. So that's a great point, And uh, thank you for that. The coaching is always, always, always invited. Now, along with the coaching, the organization is going to need time to mature. And if you've got a mature or maturation model, you might find one in Safe Start as well. And that could be tricky. I've seen one group or even departments pick up Safe Start almost immediately, and the next department just kind of never seems to get it. So that's usually a reflection of leadership to me. And I would immediately take a look at their supervisors or their managers and how they've been equipped or coached. What is their attitude about Safe Start? Or maybe safety as far as that goes. 
Where on their priority list does it fall? That underscores the importance of the point we made earlier about getting the supervisors on board before we roll out. One thing I kind of like to add to that, Tim, is when it comes to identifying that supervisor who's not willing to give Safe Start a shot, it will likely come as no surprise who it is. You've probably run into them before and you've kind of figured it out. And, and the idea is they're not going to be very supportive. And another tip I pass along to my trainers is more of uh, the off-the-job stories work. They really help focus it. We don't have that many on-the-job stories, and some people are really under, uncomfortable sharing those. But almost all of us will share a Safe Start story uh, from home. So we could, we could actually spend the entire podcast on why that is. But the easiest answer is that we have lots of controls and emphasis on safety at work. Like I said, there are many factors, that, and that's just the main one. I personally have a Safe Start story from four weeks ago. I should know better. And I can tell you the exact states I did and what I was in and what I did. But it's a great story that I use in training so that people understand that, you know what, I'm kind of normal. And once I open that story up, then they're more willing to tell stories also at the same time. So, Gary, I have to assume that you weren't in the office during that story. <laughs> <laughs> you no, were outside no, I, doing something. Else. I was outside doing something. I was actually the simplest story is my wife asked me to take two chairs out of the trunk of the car so we could take a bunch of stuff to uh, a homeless organization that, or organization that works with the homeless. And so I went over to hang them on the wall where I always hang them on the wall. And in front of it are two items that I use. One is a hand mower and the other is a snow blower and the snow blower I don't use in the summer. So it's back against the wall and I step over the mower, hang the two chairs up. It's fine. Turn back around and my foot, not my lead foot, but my trail foot, which is common, caught the, uh, the, the starting cord or the recoil cord and down I went and I'm laying on the floor and I hurt and I ended up getting quite bruised. And I'm going, this is a perfect example of what I try and help people not do. <laughs> Just exactly. So we're uh, real common. Yeah. So if you can tell a story about yourself, you really gain a lot. It does work. The stories do work. Now, I'm going to tell you, I argue. Well, I, I'm not going to use the word argue because that leads us down the path of possible negativity. But I do have discussions with several safety professionals about what they should be doing. And if they're following statistics, which a majority of them do, you should lock the doors and not let your employees leave because the workplace is the safest place for them to be. Absolutely. But ironically, they'd rather be somewhere else. And if you look at the National Safety Council and their injury facts from year to year, it's an, an employee is actually three times more likely to get hurt off the job than on the job. So to us, to me, to you, it's kind of a good rule of thumb for everyone, especially on the job. If they've got an on the job story, they could tell it, but I prefer to use the same ratio for off the job, which for every story you tell, three of them should be off the job, right? You don't need to track those numbers. It's just tell those stories that occur off the job than on the job, which is the point we're making here, Gary. You know, what this conversation underscores is the 24-7 value of Safe Start, and it really helps out with that. Fact is, most people usually find Safe Start more helpful off the job 
and to their families. That's why we invested in Boo Boo Bandits, all those episodes and the Teen Driver episode. Yeah, you're right, man. I agree. And I'm glad we've got the new uh, the new website for Safe Start Home. So all of those videos that any of you have received in DVDs, let me recommend that you go to the new website, safestart-home.com, and those videos now are available for you to watch online. All right, let's turn this around a little bit. I'd like to get your thoughts on pitfalls that we can avoid in training. So, for example, I'll give you a pitfall here. What do you do when an employee is getting argumentative with you over Safe Start and training? Well, it does happen once in a while. So whether it's on the shop floor or in the training room, I think Larry Wilson's advice from Safe Track is really important. Don't engage. Larry points out that when people get emotional and argumentative, it's more or less a tactic. Something to do to kind of get you to go away or quit bothering them. So don't get into an argument with them ever. It will only make a bad situation become worse. And Okay, with that said, you're not going away. In other words, they know you're not leaving, and you're going to continue to be there at the training. Jim, your thoughts? I agree. Uh, Gary, I'm going to tell you, as a trainer, you can't take anything personal because that does put you in an offensive attack mode or what we would call um, a situation where it could make you elevated in a position of a trainer. I want you to think about the ATD. So thinking about the ATD that comes into mind, and that's the Association for Talent Development, or formerly the ASTD, their take is cite the authorities you use as a source. And if you want to argue, it's it's okay to have that discussion. Everybody, especially in the last, say, six to ten years, have gotten an opinion. And sometimes we've gotten folks that have an opinion which leads them down to a path that they don't want to listen to yours. All right, so the best thing you can do is cite your authority or your source. Always source your data. And you got to acknowledge that there might be other authorities if you have them and name those as well. And I think if you would concur, acknowledge that the challenger's idea or opinion, the person that's in the class challenging you, um, they might have merit. And you'll need to think about what they said to you and how that affects you and your training or even the students in your training. And then you can also ask the group, the actual class, what they think about the person's idea, the challenger's idea or opinion. And let me give you a kind of a partial source here for everybody. Um, the ATD, which is 2016, it's basic training for, uh, training for trainers at work. And that comes from Alexandra, Virginia. So the key to the game here is don't get caught up in an argument, just as Gary said. And of course, don't take anything personal. And finally, I'm going to tee it up with a critical one for you, Larry, uh, Gary. Sorry. <laughs> Just like you said, Larry. Yeah, Larry's Larry, in us all. <laughs> what do you think about using safe start and discipline or any punitive way? Oh, uh, this might have given me more heartbreak than, than anything. Uh, I've got a few examples, too, but it'll kill safe start. We're trying to give our teammates the tools they need to prevent all kinds of performance errors, and only they can use because they're the only one that knows what state they're in to start with to avoid mistakes and injuries. So you just can't do that. And if you take that tool, that tool of states and errors, and you use it against them in any way, you're going to find yourself quickly alone in the room, in the tool room. They, they're not going to buy into anything. I'm not saying don't use safe start concepts after an incident or an accident. We can learn a lot from it. We just want them to be used more like a coach, more like a, a, a teacher rather than a safety cop. 
remember, you can't do the looking or thinking for them. They, we are relying on the employees to recognize their state before they make the error. And if they fail to do that, that's not a time for discipline. It's a time for more coaching. I agree. I'm going to tell you this. The safety cop uh, mentality is they have already got that mentality that you're out there with a clipboard and you're trying to enforce compliance on them. And so you come out with this heart and mind program with a clipboard and then the perception never goes away. Yeah, it does. So. And, and I, I'd add one other thing. Uh, we brief all the leaders that Safe Start is not to be used as a punitive tool. And yet we do have occasionally a leader use that. They get this new idea and they understand what human, how human factors affect everything and then they use them incorrectly. Yeah, I agree. Um, Gary, that's a great point. Thank you for bringing that one up. Safety cops. You know, if you're out on the road and you ever been pulled over by a cop, you never actually sit there and think, oh, great learning opportunity. It's yeah. always something that you move on with and go, oh, boy, what did I what, do now? Yeah. What's this one going to cost? Yeah. <laughs> and as our good friend Kevin Cobb always says, it ends up turning into a blame game. And that's a culture that we're all trying to remove. So right. that's why we included not using discipline in our safe start process as a success factor. And I got to say, Gary, this, uh, this is short, but. I'm going to bring you back so maybe we can continue this exercise on best training practices. Um, and just so I just, I just, I'm glad to see you, Gary. So thanks for being here. It's been fun. I really enjoy it. Uh, you know, I'd, li I'd like to come back a lot of times if we can. So many things I'd like to talk about and particularly how human factors are so important yeah. because it changes the risk of every job. Yeah, you got the experience and the wisdom that I wish, just quite frankly, wish we could just plug a sieve into you and just say, hey, how can I, how we get this poured out with a, with a faucet, like a tree with maple syrup? Anyways, Gary, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your wisdom with us. Uh, if you could, just let everybody know your email. They need to reach out to you or get a hold of you. Sure. Uh, it's just, it's simple. It's Gary at safestart.com. Gary at safestart.com. And I'd love to hear from people. Thanks, Gary. And if you want to get Gary's book that he co-authored with Larry Wilson, um, again, it's called Inside Out. It's available on Amazon.com. Also, please don't forget our Human Factors Conference is coming up in February, this uh, in Florida, actually. And we hope to see you there, February 22nd to be exact. And don't forget, early bird pricing ends August uh, 31st. For more information about attending the conference, just reach out to your account executive. Um, they'll point you in the right direction. Or you can reach out to me or my other hot, uh, podcast host, Danny. Pretty simple, Tim at SafeStart.com. That's T-I-M. Or Danny at SafeStart.com, D-A-N-N-Y. On behalf of the entire Safe Talk with SafeStart team, thank you for sharing your time with us. And also remember to share this podcast with others. I'm Tim Page-Botterf, and until next time, stay safe, and we'll see you down the road.